Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. All right, well, let's uh, open the Word and to Genesis and we'll begin here. Let's start with prayer. Father, how could we open this book without turning to you? And so that's what we do now. Turn to you as the author as the guide, as our loving Father who wants to teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now Genesis. Genesis chapter 31. That's where we are. In case you have been surprised by that, that's where we are. All right, verse 17. Then Jacob rose up and set his sons and his wives upon camels, and he carried away all his cattle and all his goods, which he had gotten, the cattle of his getting, which he had gotten in Padanaram, for to go to Isaac his father in the land of Canaan. And Laban went to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's. And Jacob stole away unawares to Laban the Syrian, and that he told him not that he fled. So he fled with all that he had, and he rose up and passed over the river and set his face toward the Mount Gilead. And it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob was fled. And he took his brethren with him and pursued after him seven days' journey, and they overtook him in the Mount Gilead. And God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said unto him, Take heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. Then Laban overtook Jacob. Laban had pitched his tent in the mount. And Laban with his brethren pitched in the Mount of Gilead. Laban said to Jacob, What hast thou done that thou hast stolen away unawares to me? Carried away my daughters." as captives taken with a sword. Wherefore does thou flee away secretly, steal away from me, does not tell me, that I might have sent thee away with mirth, with songs, with tabry, with heart. And hast now suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters, thou hast done foolishly in so doing. It is in the power of my hand to do you hurt, but the God of your father spake unto me yesterday night, saying, Take thou heed, thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. And now, though thou wouldst needs be gone, because thou sore longest after thy father's house, yet wherefore hast thou stolen my gods? Yeah, so we'll stop. Now, so far, we've been studying this chapter, and we've seen, this is really a pivotal point. We've seen this, a pivotal point of the life of Jacob here. He's, gonna, he's leaving Haran, and, and he's going to go back to Canaan. And so we saw how that all happened. I mean, it all, the chapter opened, and really, this all starts off with an overhearing. Jacob overhears Laban's sons, and they're accusing him of stealing. And then we saw Jacob went, and he, and he, and he checked to get confirmation. He looked in the face of Laban, and Laban, he saw Laban was now against him. And those are really the circumstances that surrounded the fact that Jacob, he was going to leave Canaan. Now those are circumstances. But, so let me ask you, by way of review, in this chapter, who told Jacob to return to Canaan, and who told him that? God did, Right? 
in this chapter, God told him to, to get, God gave him a calling in verse 11. So it starts off, it says, The angel of God spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and I said, Here am I. So it's called the angel of God. But then he says in verse 13 that the angel of God says, I am the God of Bethel, where thou and I am the pillar, where thou vowest to vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out from this land, to return like a land of thy kindred. See, it's God who told him to go. Now, could you say, could you say that this calling came like in a vision? Would you say that? He did. He says he saw God. You know, so he came in a vision. It's like a heavenly vision. See? The angel of the Lord in verse 13, the angel of the Lord spake unto me. It's a heavenly vision. Who else in scripture had this calling to obey through a heavenly vision? Remember? Who said that they had a heavenly vision to obey and that they were not disobedient to the heavenly vision? Okay, close. <laughs> it's Paul. It's Paul said that. Paul was making this explanation to King Agrippa of what happened. You know, I mean, that was the thing you want to ask about Paul. You see him, you know, one minute he's killing Christians, and then he's the leader of the Christians. What happened, Paul? So in Acts 26, he said, well, at midday, Acts 26, verse 13, Acts 26, 13, here's, Paul, here's how Paul puts it. He says, at midday, O king, I saw, he says, I saw, in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and which journeyed and them which journeyed with me. So everybody saw it. And when we were all fallen to the earth, everybody fell. I heard a voice speaking unto me saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of the things which thou hast seen, of those things which the, in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people, from the Gentiles, and from the Gentiles. So the people would be the Jewish people, and delivering also from the Gentiles. See, Paul had the advantage of having everybody as his enemy, you know? Unto whom now I send thee. And here was the sending. Here was the call. To open their eyes. So the first word is open. To turn them from darkness to light. So the second word is turn. And for the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. So that's the last word, receive. And inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. Whereupon, Paul's still speaking. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. See? There was a heavenly vision that he was not disobedient to. And the heavenly vision, he said, I, he said, and the Lord said to him, I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness. The Lord Jesus appeared to Paul and gave him a command to obey. And that calling came through a heavenly vision. And the command for Paul was to get up, go, because you're going to be a witness of these things. And Paul said he wasn't disobedient to that heavenly vision. As a matter of fact, Paul said that when he got the call to obey God through this heavenly vision, he didn't question, he didn't consult, he didn't procrastinate, he just jumped right in, which is what he said in Galatians 1.15. Well, Galatians 1.15, when Paul said, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace 
to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. He said when God called him to preach among the goyim, among the nations, among the heathen, that Paul had a discussion with no one. Paul did not feel that he needed to talk it over with anyone. Paul knew that God had called him, and he was, and he says, I'm not going to confer with anybody about this. So Jacob takes his place with Paul and others who were not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Who else in Scripture was not disobedient to the call of God? Who can you think of? Who else? Abraham. Good. Abraham was not disobedient to the call of God, and because God said to him, Go, and he left in Genesis 12. Okay, who else? Noah. Noah. Noah's a good one. Where'd you come from? (laughs) Blending in with that brown jacket and that brown... (laughs) Oh, okay. So Noah, God said, go make the ark. And Noah didn't say, well, I got to go talk to somebody about that. You know, he just went ahead and did it. Who else? Who else? It's good. Noah. Okay. You know what I was thinking about? Isaiah. Isaiah is very interesting because it's interesting how his call came about when it says in Isaiah 6, verse 8, Isaiah 6, 8, it says, also, Isaiah speaking, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, that's what he said, he said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now, let me just stop there. Who, who, was, was God talking to him? No, he wasn't talking to him. So he overheard the Lord said, and then, and then, in a very Jewish manner, he interrupts. (laughs) Then said I, here am I, send me. And he said, go, tell this people. Here indeed, it's okay. So Isaiah was saying here that he overheard persons in the Godhead speaking to each other with a big question of who. You know, who's gonna go for God? They're talking to each other. God is talking to God. Who's Who's gonna go for God? Who's God going to send? See, they're speaking. And Isaiah says, when he overhears the persons of the Godhead asking themselves the question, then Isaiah interrupts them, (laughs) and he says, well, how about me? He says, no, in essence, he was saying, look, I know I'm not much, and there are certainly others here who are more qualified than me, but I don't hear them volunteering, and so I want to volunteer for the job. I want to offer myself. Here am I. Send me. And God very simply responds, okay, (laughs) congratulations, since there's no one else applying for the job, you got the job. And God said to Isaiah three words, which is all he needed to hear, which were go and tell, go and tell. So it's interesting about this time in Isaiah's life, because this time in Isaiah's life, it was right after God had cleansed his mouth. Because Isaiah had a foul mouth problem. Isaiah had a foul mouth. And he had a habit of a foul mouth. And and when he saw that that God, he felt really bad about his foul mouth. And he cried out to God about his swearing and his vulgarity that had become a habit in his life. And he couldn't break. And he couldn't get clean from it. And he saw this as the end of his life with God. And because you said in, in, in the verse before, the one we were just talking about, in Isaiah 6, verse 5, then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. So all the people around him had foul mouths, and the the vulgarity and the swearing, and it rubbed off on him. 
He just, emotion came and he said something he shouldn't have said. But he says, he says, as a result of that, I'm finished. I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And then it says that God then took a hot coal from off the altar, which was the place of sacrifice in verse 6 of Isaiah 6. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath cleansed thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. See, the altar represents the cross, where the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins. So what we're really seeing here is the power of the cross. The power of the cross, because Isaiah had problems. Isaiah had problems, and at first, his foul mouth had left him with a feeling of being dirty. He needed to be cleansed. So that's why it says, the Lord said, okay, um, you've been cleansed. And then he said, then the problem, the next problem is that God says, but you got another problem, you got a past. you got a past. That's called your iniquity. And that's taken away. That's taken away. Well, you got another problem. you got a bad habit. And we got to break the habit. So the second so this problem now that God's talking about that Isaiah had was this habit. And by the power of the cross, by the power of the altar, God solved the problem when he said, thy sin is purged. So the bad habit of the foul mouth was purged right out of him. And, and now, that's just happened to him when he overhears God with, the, with his problem. God says, well, that was your problem. Now i got a problem. Who's going to go for me? And so, so, and many people think today that they have to wait for the call of God. Isaiah didn't wait for the call of God. That's not what happened with Isaiah. Isaiah didn't just, he, 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 didn't, he didn't just tell God, God, I'm over here, I'm waiting. I just want you to know, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm available. Just, just give me the call. He understood. Isaiah understood. There was a need. And then Isaiah asked God, call me to meet that need. Why don't you call me? And God agreed and called him and said, go and tell. So he took his place, Isaiah took his place, with Paul, with Jacob, who were not disobedient to the heavenly calling. Only thing is, Isaiah asked for the heavenly calling. And, and he said, and then Isaiah, in the end, that was the beginning of his book, in Isaiah chapter 6. In the end of his book, in verse, uh, chapter 50, verse 5, in Isaiah 50, verse 5, he's looking back over what happened to him, and, and then the whole life that he's had as a result of that, and he says, in Isaiah 50, verse 5, the Lord hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. That's interesting. Think everything about how Isaiah described that he was obedient to God's call. He said, I neither turned away back. I didn't turn back. That means that even though Isaiah asked for the calling, when God did call Isaiah to go and tell, Isaiah didn't sit there and say, well, I didn't know it was going to be that. Ooh, wow, that's a little bit rough. Go and tell this people. See, Isaiah did not turn away back like some in a church meeting who will come to a church meeting. Oh, they'll raise their hand. They'll go forward for missionary service. Then they turn away back. You know, follow through. Not Isaiah. Isaiah said that for himself, Isaiah 50 verse 5, neither turned away back. Now, not everyone in Scripture was obedient to the heavenly calling. Who in, the, in Scripture was disobedient to the heavenly calling? In other words, said no. Who? 
can you think of? Oh, that's the classic one. <laughs> Jonah. Jonah, he's a classic. Good old Jonah. Boy, I tell you. We're, you know, it's so funny about Jonah because it says in the book of Jonah, God says, rise up and go to Nineveh. And then it says, Jonah rose up and ran away. <laughs> so he did not rise up. He rose up and went the wrong direction. Now, it's interesting in Jonah because in Jonah, what it says that God says, rise up, go to Nineveh. Then it says, Jonah, it says he rose up and he turned away from, not Nineveh. It says he turned away from the presence of the Lord. So the implication there is that, Jonah, you want to find me? I'm in Nineveh. You got to come to Nineveh. That's where I am. I am where I am doing the work that interests me, which is not willing that any should perish. All should come to repentance, including Nineveh, which is having all men to be saved in Nineveh. Jonah, when you run away, you're not just running away from Nineveh, you're running away from me. And he ran from the presence of the Lord. Okay, Jonah, perfect. What else? Who else? Who in Scripture was disobedient to the heavenly calling? God called him? He said no. Say? Adam. <laughs> well, definitely Adam. Yeah, but, you know, Adam, you know, he says, you know, Adam, I'm calling you not to touch this tree. And he touched the tree. Okay. Who? John Mark. In what case? When he went with Paul and Silas and then, I mean, uh, Barnabas. Okay, okay, very good. Those are good. I was thinking of another one. I was thinking of the man who was the meekest man in all the earth. Moses. It was Moses. Moses. He was disobedient to the heavenly calling. Remember that? You know, it said that in a, in in in. In, in Moses chapter 4. <laughs> Exodus chapter 4. <laughs> it should be Moses. But anyway, he had five books, so he didn't have five names, so, and that's why they have different. Anyway, Exodus chapter 4, verse 13, and he's, is what he's arguing with God. Oh Lord, oh my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send, only not me. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron thy brother, the Levite thy brother? I know he can speak well. <laughs> And also, behold, he comes forth to meet thee. Okay. Now, Moses told God that he couldn't speak well. And, and Moses took the position of, here am I, Lord, send someone else. You know? Yeah, here am I, Lord, send Aaron. And, and that made God angry. And, 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 and no one talked to God face to face, friend to friend, like Moses. No one did. But Moses had a bad habit of making God mad. And that's the first rule in life. Don't make God mad. And Moses violated that. And on the first meeting that he had with God, Moses made God mad. He made him angry. And, and he made him angry uh, because he, he, he was saying, you know, I don't, no, I can't speak well. Maybe you misunderstood and overlooked that, that part about me. And Moses made God angry over what else? When else did God, Moses make God mad? Mm, classic one. Struck the rock. Huge consequence. His life work was to go see the land that he was bringing the people out. He couldn't because he made God mad by striking the rock. And another one about his son involved his wife. Yeah, that thing, yes, that thing, that's called circumcision. <laughs> that thing, yeah. He didn't do that. 
And God was mad at Moses, and it says God was going to kill Moses. Very surprising verse. Okay, who, who, who else used the same excuse as Moses as not being able to speak? So I, I, I'm not going to obey the vision. I'm not going to obey the calling. Who else? Say Okay, it was Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. You know, maybe you think when you get to the biggies, you know, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they're perfect. Well, not Jeremiah. Yeah. See, it says about Jeremiah in Jeremiah, his first chapter, Jeremiah 1.4, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. He said that, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, that was amazing. When Jeremiah told God in, in Jeremiah 1, 6, Then said I, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a child. You know, Jeremiah said, Behold, <laughs> that's funny, Behold, like, did, you know, by using the word behold, it was like Jeremiah was saying to God, O Lord God, didn't you miss something? <laughs> Don't you need to look over here? Uh, didn't you overlook the fact that I'm not a good speaker? Didn't you not overlook the fact that you need a good speaker? to be your spokesman, I'm just a child. And God didn't really appreciate that, about that Jeremiah was pointing out to him that Jeremiah spoke like a child, and that made God mad. And God said to Jeremiah, but the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child. Thou shalt go to all thy send thee. See, Jeremiah, he was uh, not really obedient to the heavenly vision, and he was kind of mad about it, and in Jeremiah, late middle of the book here, Jeremiah 20, verse 7, Jeremiah had said, I've had enough. And he says, oh, Lord, thou hast deceived me. And so he's accusing God of deceiving him. And I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I and hast prevailed. I'm in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and derision daily. Then said I, I will not speak. No, he said, I will not make mention. Then said I, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. So Jeremiah, he's talking about two parts of his body that really suffered as a fact of him saying, not obeying God, not going to speak anymore, not going to preach anymore. His heart and his bones. He said it felt like his word would left his heart, it felt like fire in his bones, shut up in his bones. Okay. Now, who in Scripture was outwardly obedient to God's call, but inwardly was angry and bitter about it, and, and, and said he only obeyed God because God's hand was strong upon him? That's the only reason. It is right. It's Ezekiel. Ezekiel. 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13.5 point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.